If you're suffering from eczema, psoriasis, vitiligo, or rosacea, this podcast is for you. Join me as I explore and share the teachings of Anthony William, medical medium. This is the You Can Heal Your Skin podcast, and trust me, you can do just that. You can heal your skin. I have healed the psoriasis that I struggled with for most of my life, and if my skin can clear up, so can yours. It's all about understanding why we are sick and what we can do to start healing. My name is Sandra Svensson, and I'm so happy to have you here. Hello and welcome to another episode of You Can Heal Your Skin. In this episode, we will talk about our relationship with alcohol. And we'll go through what medical medium says about it and, you know, how it affects you and how it affects your skin. I will also share my point of view on alcohol and my own personal journey with alcohol. And I know that this is a very sensitive subject for many, but I think it's important that we're talking about these things. I think it's important that we take a look at it. And... Before we get started, I want to be very, very clear and say that I don't judge anybody for their choices. Nobody. Not a chance. The reason why I'm doing this episode is just because I, I want to shine a light on why we might drink alcohol and how it really affects us. Okay? All right, let's get started. The first thing I want to talk about is what medical medium Anthony William says about alcohol and how it affects our body. So, alcohol's effects uh, start out with what is called getting a little tipsy. So people say that alcohol helps them to loosen up and to speak their mind. Some say that a couple of beers help them relax, and some say wine helps them ease the stress. But how does alcohol do that? Well, your brain survives on glucose, and a lack of glucose to your brain can slowly starve your brain over time. And if glucose were eliminated from your bloodstream and it never entered your brain, you could go into brain failure within moments. So what alcohol does is that it plays the biggest trick on your brain because your brain believes that alcohol is sugar, a sugar that it can use. It believes that it's like the glucose that's in foods that contain carbohydrates and sugar, like potatoes, for example. But in reality, alcohol is a methyl sugar. It's a hybrid of what used to be sugar. So it's a more kind of a vaporized sugar rather than a sugar that the body can use. And as a result of this little trick, several things go wrong. The more alcohol in your bloodstream, the harder it is for your brain to use any real source of glucose in your bloodstream. And alcohol dominates over any glucose storage left in your brain. So your liver is your main glucose storage. Its job is to release glucose consistently because your brain really needs it. And your liver's job is to release glucose so your brain doesn't starve. And this could be necessary, for example, if you go without eating foods with glucose in it for a long period of time. Now, not everybody's liver is functioning that well. So many people's glucose storage can be minimal because of their livers being sluggish and stagnant. And you know by now that you have this skin condition because your liver is overburdened and sluggish. 
And that's why alcohol can affect you more than other people. It doesn't really matter how much you can drink and how much alcohol you can tolerate. It's more that as you're drinking alcohol, it starts to poison and numb your liver. And your liver is your defense mechanism to stop alcohol from getting to your brain. And by the time you start getting tipsy, your liver is already at its saturation level for protecting the brain. And alcohol is toxic in any amount. It's a poison. And the liver's job is to soak up every last drop it can. And when the liver is being poisoned by alcohol, it can't release glucose anymore. So even if you happen to have a large glucose deposit in your liver, like if you have a well-functioning liver, eventually the alcohol will make the liver paralyzed. So all the liver will do is to soak up the alcohol. And at the same time, alcohol pushes aside any glucose that's in the bloodstream. So alcohol becomes the number one choice for fuel because it seems like glucose, even though it isn't. So the brain becomes a victim of the effect of alcohol. The more you drink, the more you will see signs of your brain struggling. And when you get to the point of slurred speech and inability to function normally, that means that your liver is already starting to starve to death. In fact, most of the symptoms we associate with drunkenness and alcohol poisoning aren't only from alcohol itself, most are symptoms of the brain starting to die. And if we take a look at why alcohol is so addictive, it's because of the adrenaline high that comes with the brain losing its fuel source to stay alive. The more alcohol that gets to the brain, the more adrenaline is released. Basically, every time we're in danger on any level, our adrenals send out an adrenaline blend in hopes of changing the chemistry in our bloodstream to help in any way possible. And adrenaline becomes the backup fuel when the brain has no fuel. Adrenaline in itself is actually very addictive, and we can see this in many different ways. I will talk a lot more about adrenaline and how it hinders your healing and how addictive it can be in an upcoming episode. For now, just remember that alcohol is truly a poison that starves your brain, and in order to save you, your body releases adrenaline that gives you that feeling of being high and happy, but that this adrenaline is also what makes alcohol so addictive. In this process, your liver has to soak up both the alcohol and the adrenaline and you're overworking your liver, making it even more sluggish with time. Both your liver and your brain are suffering from your alcohol consumption, which means your skin is also suffering, right? Because the worse your liver is feeling, the worse your symptoms are going to be. And on another note, they don't call it spirits for no reason. This is very deliberate. Why do we call it spirits? Medical medium says that there's actually a little spiritual war going on above you, and the angels are saying, don't drink, don't drink. And the demons are saying, keep drinking, go on, have another drink, and so on. And the weaker you get, and the more vulnerable you get, the more the demons can take hold of you. And I actually think of it as when you are drinking alcohol, your own spirit is kind of leaving your body, and in that way you get more vulnerable and the dark spirits can come in and take over. I don't know about you, I don't know if you believe in this or I don't know if you agree with me, but I find it very interesting. I truly believe that there's a spiritual war going on around us, and I really think that these spirits are helping the dark side. 
I find this very fascinating and I will talk a little bit more about this later on. So if we move on a little bit, in our society it's socially accepted to drink alcohol. You should drink alcohol really to be accepted and be one of the crowd. If you don't drink alcohol, you're kind of weird. At least this has been my experience. And as I mentioned before, alcohol can serve as an escape from stress, anxiety and life's pressures. And this is true for most people who drink. They like taking the edge off with alcohol, right? But let's look at this for a minute. So what is it that you want to take the edge off of? I'm pretty sure the thing that we want to get away from is discomfort. And in fact, that discomfort is helpful. That discomfort is actually your body signaling that something is wrong. Are you not at the right job for you? Are you not in the right relationship? Are you carrying old traumas around that weigh you down? Are you making choices based on what other people want you to do with your life? You know, whatever it is, that discomfort is telling you that there's something bothering you. And you know what? You could choose to be brave and look at it. You could be courageous and stay with it instead of escaping it with the alcohol. You could stop running away from your life. Discomfort is actually what will move you forward in life. Discomfort is what's pushing you to make changes in your life. So you could always choose to have that hard conversation or make that hard decision that deep down you know you need to take. Because alcohol is always an escape. Always. You might not agree with me. You might not want to admit to it. And it might be provoking to hear me say that. But it's still the truth. Alcohol is always an escape. Now, my beautiful dad was an alcoholic. And he struggled with his addiction for about six to seven years, if I don't remember it wrong. And this was quite a hard time for me. It was in the years between I was about 10 to 16. And then when I was 16, we had an intervention. And this is the, one of the hardest things that I have ever done in my life. I had to tell my dad that if he didn't go to rehab that day, if he didn't leave with that man that was there, he would never see me again. We would not be having a relationship. So basically, it was either me or the booze. And I was so scared. But thankfully, he decided to go to rehab. And I was so relieved. <laughs> because I was really worried that I would lose him then and there. But as soon as I said what I said, he just got up of the sofa and went with this gentleman to rehab. And he somehow got with the program and just knew what he needed to do. I mean, he struggled in rehab and it was tough, but he picked himself up again and he did it. And he was so brave. He was so brave. And after he got out, he attended AA meetings like every day in the beginning. And I went with him quite a few times as well. And for the first, I think, two or three years when he was sober, all we talked about was alcohol. It was the only thing he wanted to talk about. I was 17 and 18, and he was so worried about me and my drinking. And he always told me that alcohol is nothing else than an escape. And he asked me what I was escaping from over and over again. And it would make me so frustrated. 
I, it would, I would be so upset with him. Because I wasn't escaping from anything. I was fine. Like, stop bothering me, Dad. Oh, you're so annoying. But, of course, he was right. I was escaping. I was escaping from being shy. I was escaping from being a people pleaser. I was escaping from being the good girl. I was escaping from my emotions. I was escaping from myself. And if you drink, you know, you are escaping from something. And I don't care how much you refuse to see that. And I don't care how much you say you only drink it for the taste of it. Because that's bullshit. And I'm saying that with love. You're running away from something. Period. So take this opportunity and ask yourself, what is it that you're running away from? What is the discomfort you don't want to acknowledge? And I just want to add a quick note on my dad and his alcoholism. After rehab, he was sober for 23 years without a single relapse. And he passed away a few years ago, but I'm so immensely proud of him. He turned his life around and I got my dad back. Because as we talked about spirits before, when he was drunk, he was a completely other person. He became dark. It wasn't my dad anymore. And I have a lot of tough memories from his drinking years. I have a lot of wounds. But now looking back at it, it's like that wasn't even my dad. Somebody else or something else took over his body when the alcohol entered. And I found it so scary. And when he then got sober, it's like he returned to me. He was light again. You know, he was loving. He was there. He was present. And I love my father so, so very much. And I'm so grateful that I got another 23 years with him before he passed. I mean, there was some friction there because I had a lot of wounds to heal. And it took me time. But there was so much love between us, and I know that he did his very best all the time. He did as good as he could, and I don't blame him for anything anymore. Now I'm rather grateful for all the experience, and I can see how much it taught me about myself, and how much it taught me about life, and how strong it made me. And another very important point I want to make is that you don't have to be an alcoholic to be addicted to alcohol. That's right. You can totally be addicted to alcohol and not be an alcoholic. Remember what I said about adrenaline being released when you drink and that this adrenaline is highly addictive? Because it's not like there's one group of people that alcohol is bad for and for everybody else it's great. Because that's kind of how we see it in our society, right? I don't have a problem with alcohol. I feel great having a glass of red wine with dinner every night. It's amazing. But the truth is that alcohol is poison and it's bad for everyone. And I see on social media all the time that it's Friday and people are celebrating that the weekend is here with a glass of wine or a beer or something. Or people are on holiday and they're posing with their cocktails. Like, hey, look at me and my poison. Look at how happy I am and how great my life is. We see it all the time, right? And once again, to be clear, I'm not judging anyone who's drinking alcohol. Not even a little bit. You do you. You're on your own special journey and I'm on mine. No judgment. But it's like when you go through something and you come out on the other side, all of a sudden you see things so clearly. 
I definitely used to be one of those people who would post with a drink and a smile. But now that I'm sober, I see other things. I see the escape, and I just look at the pictures and I wonder, what is it that people are escaping from? And sometimes, I hear people saying things like, oh, oh, and this is from people who don't consider themselves to be alcoholics, of course. But they can say things like, life is not just worth living without alcohol. And then they laugh really hard as if everybody around them knows exactly what they mean. And it's so funny. And it's an obvious fact. And to me, this is so sad. They're basically saying that there's so little value to life that if they can't have their poison, they don't want to live. And at the same time, they're basically implying that my life is worthless because I don't drink. Now, I don't agree with this at all, of course, and I could choose to be offended, or I could look at them with compassion and wonder what they are escaping from. Because it's nothing but a big escape. And when it comes to drinking and we're considering if we should quit or not, there seems to be only one question we ask ourselves. And that question is, do I have a problem with drinking? And if the answer is no, we just keep drinking. But I think there are so many other questions we could ask ourselves. Like, is this benefiting me? Is it helpful for me and what I want to accomplish in life? Is it healing? Does it help me live my best life? These are much better questions to ask yourself. Is the alcohol actually helping you live your best life? Is it helping you heal your skin? Or is it helping you heal your emotional wounds? Or is it just helping you escape from the discomfort? So now I'm going to share a little bit about my own personal journey with alcohol. So I started drinking fairly early. I started drinking when I was 15 years old. And we were drinking like pretty much every weekend from that point on. And when I was 19, I moved to London. I started working as a waitress for about a year or two, and then I worked as a bartender for quite a few years. And I started drinking more and more. It was very easy access to alcohol. I mean, it was right there in front of me, and sometimes you would stay after work and you would drink a little bit and, you know, wind down a little bit after a stressful shift or something. It was just such easy access to alcohol. My boyfriend at the time was also a bartender, so we started buying liquor and stuff that we would, so we could make cocktails at home, which we did quite a lot. And then I started to get to know different bartenders at different places. So when we would have a night off, we would go to their bar and they would give us free drinks. And then when they had a night off, they would come to our bar and they would get free drinks. So it was just very, very easy access to alcohol for quite a few years there. And sometimes I even drank at work, you know, but not a problem. I was just having fun. And then things ended with my boyfriend when I was 24. And let's just say that I was completely broken. And alcohol had played a big part in that relationship ending. I mean, I don't think it would have lasted anyway, but this was someone that I loved very much. And we didn't know how to communicate properly and there were a lot of other issues in our relationship. But I think what actually broke our relationship was 
alcohol because I just wasn't acting like the person I thought I was. I wasn't acting like myself when I drank. So after we broke it off, I left London and I went to Spain for three months to study Spanish. And I was there for three months and I drank so much during these three months. I mean, I felt like my heart was broken and I was so lost because I didn't really know well who who even am I anymore. Yeah, I was very I was very lost at this point in my life. I just I had a lot of fun in Spain. But oh my god, oh my god. I was just escaping from myself and we went out drinking like five nights a week. I would come home late, sleep for a few hours, get up, go to school, go home, take a siesta, sleep for a few hours and then go out again at night. And I did this for three months. And my tolerance kept getting higher and higher and higher. And for the last few weeks that I was in Spain, I drank so much. I drank a minimum of like a bottle of vodka or rum every night. So I would drink at least 75 centiliters before we even went out, just like at, at the party before we went out. And then I would have a few cocktails as we went out as well. And that was every night, almost a liter of vodka or rum or whatever I would have. And the thing is that it was so cheap in Spain compared to Sweden, where the alcohol is so expensive. It was so cheap, like it was three euros for a bottle of rum. <laughs> no problem. I could I could drink a bottle of that. But then I, I returned to Sweden and I just remember I stayed at my mom's house and every every morning I would wake up and my body was just shaking. I had the shakes. It was horrible. I had such abstinence. But then I started university and, you know, everybody was drinking quite a lot. I mean, not, not as much as I, I used to drink, but, you know, people were drinking and we were going out. So I just kept going. I wouldn't drink as much, but I was still drinking. And I remember that I, I, when I was at university, I started to get blackouts. And these blackouts could last for hours. And I found this very scary and I would wake up with quite a lot of anxiety, like not even knowing what I had done the night before. It was horrible. And then one day I was traveling and I saw a sign at the platform waiting for the train. And on this big sign, it listed 15 things. And I think it was if you, if you could relate to 10 or more or something like that, then you had an issue with alcohol. And I could relate to pretty much all of them. And it was things like always being the first one at the party and the last one to leave. It was if you experienced blackouts and a lot of other things. So this was a wake-up call for me, like, oh no, <laughs> shit. I'm heading down the same path as my dad. It's time to turn things around. Like I, start, I had a little panic attack. At that time, I realized that I definitely had issues with alcohol, like big issues. So I just stopped drinking. From that point on, I, did, I didn't drink for a year. I gave away all my spirits and liquors and everything that I had in my flat. I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to touch them. I didn't want to make a single cocktail. So I stayed sober for a year or so. And then I started drinking just once in a while, but just a little bit. 
I was trying to control it. And then I had a period where I was very depressed for two years. And during that time, I drank a little bit more. But then I would come off it again and drink very little. I just became very aware of my drinking. And I was just determined to not end up like my dad. Because I had seen how he struggled. I had seen how hard it was for him. Like That was a hard life. And I didn't want to live through that. So there were many, many years where I wondered if maybe I should just stop drinking. Maybe I should just quit it. Because it seemed almost a bit useless to me. And it was like if I was going out to a party, I would always think about, am I going to drink tonight? Am I not going to drink tonight? I was wasting energy thinking about, should I have a glass of wine or not? But I kept drinking. I didn't, take, I didn't make a decision. I kept drinking occasionally. At most parties, I would be sober. And then once in a while, I would have half a glass of wine or a champagne or something like that. And the thing that finally made me give up drinking was actually my energy awareness. It just wasn't worth it for me anymore. It didn't give me anything. It just took away from me. It robbed me of my beautiful light energy. And one day I just felt like this is not worth it anymore. This is not how I want to live my life. I don't want this poison. I don't need it. My life is better without it. And the thing that I experienced is that I would almost always be sober, right? Maybe I would say maybe I had half a glass of wine three times a year or something. I did not drink much. And I would wake up every day and my energy was strong. My energy was happy. My energy was light. And in my head, it was kind of like da 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 da. That was my frequency. I was, you know, I was happy. I just wanted to get started with my day. I was in such a good place. And then on the days that I woke up after having, having had alcohol, and I'm saying like maybe just half a glass of wine or something, on the day after, first of all, I would sleep really bad. I don't usually sleep bad, but every time after I've had alcohol, I would sleep really bad. I would wake up in the morning and this would be my frequency. Uh, like everything was just slow, heavy, dark, and I didn't feel like myself. I, I didn't feel like I had the same energy. I didn't feel like I felt like it took away from my life's purpose, my everything. I just felt like it definitely changed my energy. It changed my frequency. So after going through that for years, like every time I drink, I feel worse. Why am I drinking? Why am I even bothering with this? You know, asking myself these questions. Should I just quit? And I just kept going here. But I you know, I didn't, I didn't want to take a decision to say that I'm sober or I'm not drinking anymore. I don't know why I didn't want to do that, but I didn't. So it just prolonged the process for me. But finally, I took that decision and that was over three years ago. And I can tell you that there's not a single cell in my body that regrets that decision. I absolutely love being sober. I love it. I love, 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 love it. I love the clarity, I love the frequency, I love the light, I love everything about it, and honestly, I just can't imagine myself 
ever drinking alcohol again. I just cannot. I'm not in the mood to kill my brain off anymore. And I have actually managed to create a life without that much discomfort. And I'm so proud of myself for all the soul healing I've done, for all the work I've done to be able to feel so calm, safe and comfortable in my own body. It's one of the biggest achievements in my life. And I feel that as I continue to heal my body, I'm also continuing to heal spiritually and emotionally. It all goes hand in hand. And as a matter of fact, the more glucose you have in your brain, the easier it will be to heal your emotions. It's all interconnected. So if you were to quit escaping with alcohol and quit running away from the discomfort in your life, and instead eat a diet full of clean carbohydrates that would saturate your brain with glucose, you would heal those emotional wounds a lot quicker. And this has been my experience for sure. By changing my lifestyle and my diet, I've also managed to heal a lot of other things. Things that I thought I could deal with later. I was thinking that I was just going to focus on the physical, you know, my physical healing, my skin healing, and take the soul healing and the emotional healing later. Well, as it turns out, it doesn't work like that. It just came as a big fat bonus and it just happened automatically. Such a blessing. So not only am I healing my skin with this new lifestyle, I'm healing my whole being. And it has helped me to stop running away from my own life. Now, I'm not saying that you can't heal your skin if you have a drink every now and then. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I just want to encourage you to have a look at why you choose to have that drink. And I want you to understand the effect it has on your body. And as I'm closing up this episode, here's a quote from Medical Medium that I want to share with you. And it goes, The emotional centers of our brain can only be pushed so far. When you're sick or suffering enough physically, mentally or emotionally, a survival mechanism kicks in. A survival mechanism in your brain's emotional centers that has been inside us since the beginning of time. This enough is enough strength is inside everyone. It's the moment when you put your foot down. It's the moment when you truly find yourself, when you're working with and aligned with your body. When that time comes, that's when you're reborn. It's the rebirth of finally moving out of mental and emotional pain, moving out of that in-between and turning your life around. End quote. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you so much. Stay tuned, stay positive, and please know that your liver and your skin does not need any alcohol. They do better without it. In fact, they're wishing that you would stop escaping, stop running, and instead start healing on every level. If or whenever you feel ready to do so, my friend. Talk to you soon. I'm so happy to have you here. I know what it's like to feel like a prisoner in your own body, to want to crawl out of your own skin every now and then. This information has truly changed my life. I finally feel free in my own skin. I finally feel peaceful in my skin. And I want the same for you, my friend. 
I really do. With this podcast, I hope to be able to inspire you and help you forward in your healing. If you're new to all of this and you're looking for some guidance to get started, then I've got you covered. I've created a free mini course that is also called You Can Heal Your Skin, where you will learn all the basics. And if you've been on your healing journey for a while and you feel like you're a bit stuck maybe and in need of a helping hand, then please go ahead and book a one-on-one coaching session with me so I can help you move forward with healing your skin. You can find all the details at my website, sandrasvensson.com, or by clicking the links in the show notes. This podcast and its content are presented for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment or prescription. Make sure you consult your doctor if you have a condition that requires medical attention. Please do not ignore medical advice or postpone medical appointments because of something you have heard on the You Can Heal Your Skin podcast.